Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Episode 239, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pancakes and Power Slam Show. We are live and living Culligan, funky like a monkey, if you will. And of course, I am Chris Featherstone, your host with the most. Follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter and, of course, Facebook at Crave Wrestling. We have a lot to talk about today. And ladies and gentlemen, I always get, you know... As y'all have known, the listeners know, four and a half years of the show, we interview someone every week. I'm really excited about this person who I'm interviewing today. Now, this person has just a plethora of experience, 16 years in the business, and he's been in the WWE, he's been in TNA, and he has dominated in the tag team division in Japan. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk with tonight's special guest, none other than the one, the only former NWA Tag Team Champion, former IWGP Tag Team Champion, former GHC Tag Team Champion. So obviously this guy is a Tag Team Specialist. Mr. Lance Hoyt, how are you tonight, sir? I'm good, man. How are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing all right, man. I uh, uh, past couple weeks, man, I've had this uh, annoying cough bug. Actually, I lost my voice uh, last week. Uh, my son, I have, a, I have two, I have two boys. I'm a four year old, and uh, my youngest is a year and nine months tomorrow, actually. And um, yeah, it, it, like I, I had Richie Steamboat, Steamboat on the show last week, and I was just telling him like it's just irresistible to just not kiss your boys, uh, especially mm. at this time when they're very embracing and they just pucker up, especially my youngest. And, uh, man, uh, I've been coughing and just uh, – I feel much better physically, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, I've just been having this annoying, you know, grandfather smoker's cough, and I don't smoke. So it's been a week. <laughs> never, never ending sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was just on Facebook actually today asking for some home remedies, and I had a slew of uh, answers, and I think I'm going to – Take advantage of some of those. So, what is the? Uh, do you have any children? No, no kids. No kids. Do you desire to have any? Sure. Sure. Yeah, you're uh, you're approaching uh, that age that, uh, um, you know, it's 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 now or never at this point. Are are you are you married? <laughs> do you have a do you have a, a girlfriend? What's, yes. What's your family life? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, we definitely definitely uh, wish you the best uh, in, in in your your family family endeavors. Uh, so that's uh, awesome. Thank you, man. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully uh, you can uh, have a have a boy or a girl. Would you Would you rather have a boy or a girl if you had one kid? You know, it, it, this time and day and age and life and everything, I, you know, I just healthy, happy, and then going forward, you know, who knows yeah. what what can come, you know, with all the craziness that exists in this world. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely, uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, I always like to know uh, why in the world. I mean, all the people I've interviewed, I, I just really like to get this question out in the open. Why in the world was it professional wrestling? Now, you started in 2000, if I'm not mistaken. Like, what Mm -hmm. were you doing before then, and what led you to become a wrestler? Did you have uh, an encounter with someone at a gym, or did you – was it something that you were a fan of, and you just started – decided to become a wrestler? You know, I mean, I, I truly think that almost everybody that really gets into the business that has passion for the business, especially with the route that I've taken in the business, uh, you, you have to be a fan first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, young men and women that are getting opportunities with WWE to their performance center and stuff like that. But, you know, they may or may not have been true fans of the business, but because of their athletic background and things like that, I think they're given opportunities to get into it. Now, that's not to say they don't become fans of it, but mm-hmm. a lot of them – have never watched the wrestling business other than to turn it on once in a while. Whereas, <clears throat> you know, I was a big fan of WCW and the Monday Nitro and the, the Monday Night Wars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was playing football though, uh, high school and college. And that was really my focus. Uh, you know, when I was coming through my schooling times, uh, it was something I really wanted to do. I really focused on it hard. I really worked hard for it. Um, 
but it, it came to an end after about three years in university time, just this, that, and other different reasons, whatever. Um, and I was working in nightclubs in Austin, Texas. Well, one of the guys, the, the guy who actually owned one of the nightclubs I worked in knew a guy that had opened up a wrestling school in Austin, Texas. And, you know, like I said, I'd just gotten out of football. I was still kind of athletically inclined and I'd always been a fan of the wrestling business and things like that. And, um, mm-hmm. when he opened that school and I was introduced to him, you know, he, he provided me an opportunity to go in and do a tryout. And, you know, the funny thing about doing that tryout is that I didn't know anything about the business other than what I'd seen on TV. And I didn't realize it was so physically demanding. And I, I hurt so bad after that one day of tryout. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, when he called me a couple of days later to go, all right, are you coming to the school? Are you going to come train with us and stuff like that? I tried to pin it on the fact that I was a poor college kid. And I was like, you know, I really can't afford uh, to come to your school. You know, the, I know how much you're charging and, it, you know, it's well worth it. But I just, you know, I'm a poor college kid. So I don't I don't have that kind of money. And he was like, well, what can you pay? <laughs> and I threw a number at him that I didn't think he'd go for it, And he went for it. And so my family helped me pay for it. They were like, that's fine. Just make sure you stay in school. Make sure, you know, it doesn't affect your, your grades or anything like that. And, so it worked out really well. You know, I went back. I didn't have any more excuse other than to to, to wimp out of it, <laughs> which I wasn't going to do. So, you know, kind of, and I guess you can say the rest is history because um started training and it was just me and one other guy and the guy that was training us, a guy named Solo Faitala and a friend of mine now, his name is Jason Baker. And it was just three of us and, you know, two, three times a week, I drove about an hour from where I was going to school to where the wrestling school was back and forth and, uh, you know, I started wrestling on the independent scene in Texas and, you know, started getting opportunities and started shaking and baking things. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it didn't take long. It was a few years after you started that um, both WWE and TNA kept, uh, came calling, right? Well, uh, TNA more than anything. Uh, excuse me. Um, you know, I, again, I, it had been about four years on the independent scene in Texas. Uh, and made contact with, you know, when TNA was just starting, they still had the cage dancers. Um, and I was on an autograph show that the guy brought in a few of the TNA wrestlers and some old-timey wrestlers, and uh, he brought the one one of the cage, cage dance girls, and her gimmick name was Lollipop. And, you know, we were all out eating for dinner one night, and she was like, why haven't you tried for TNA or anything? And I had a story where I'd tried and things hadn't worked out, and she was like, well, give me a – and this is when we still had VHS tape. So she was like, give me a tape, and – give me a, you know, a good picture and I'll take it to the office and see what happens. And sure enough, like two weeks after that had happened, after I gave it to her, she followed through and uh, got it to uh, who a a guy at the time had, I think a little more power at the time, as far as getting new people looked at was uh, Bob Ryder. And he he was one of the first Mm -hmm. ones that helped me get in there and, uh, you know, suggested me for, at the time they were running their explosion tapings and explosion was used almost primarily to take their talent work with you know independent talents that were coming in so they could take a look at them um and i was one of those guys that got that opportunity and you know did that a few times drove myself from dallas to uh, nashville tennessee which was like a nine and a half hour drive uh, a couple times where i wasn't even booked for anything and then uh, i was going for what would have been my third explosion slash tryout match and that's when i was on the actual pay-per-view uh, for the first time, and I had no clue when I arrived. I was expecting just to do an explosion match, and then they had me teamed up with Kid Cash. And you know, that night they offered me a contract after we had our first match together. Yeah, and that's interesting because you won the 
you won a championship. You won the tag team championship. What like mm-hmm. weeks after you deb- debuted? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, in you know wrestling taping history, the crazy part to that story, I guess, is that uh, you know, it was that that first week, and I don't know if it was one of those things where they just were like, all right, let's see how how this works out, see if they coexist, see if they do well, because you know they, we we went over in our first match, we won our first match. Um, and then we showed up the next week and we taped a, a few weeks or two or three weeks, something like that. But we taped all two or three weeks that night. And that mm-hmm. night they put, uh, you know, Cash and I won the tag titles, uh, which they were still the NWA tag titles back then. So it was the right. NWA, TNA, NWA TNA tag team championships. So literally my, my second week there, I mean, on TV, it was about the third or fourth week, but my second week with the company and I'm already a tag champion. So it was pretty crazy. Yeah crazy quick yeah. situation how, how was that i mean was did you get any heat in the back for for being you know having such a meteoric rise well uh, you know at the time tna was definitely a company that was looking for next generation guys for their True. new uh new faces and, and things like that you know they did have a good mix of, of name value guys you know you know uh Road Dog or BG James was there at the time, and Conan and, and Ron Killings and guys like that that were all on the show uh, on a regular basis for TNA. But then you had guys like America's Most Wanted, The Naturals, uh, you know, Kid Cash, AJ Styles, who you know has become who he's obviously become in the wrestling business. You know, all these names of these guys that were new to the business but were becoming the next generation of stars. And so I don't know if it was necessarily heat. There's always going to be some heat. There's always going to be somebody who's, who's not happy about the situation because they believe they should be in that spot in that situation. But yeah. nobody directed it towards me. And I, I'd like to believe I handled myself the right way and, and came in with, you know, uh, open mind and open intentions and, and was very, you know, appreciative of the place that I was at with the company and with the guys that were around me and that were working with me. And so I think guys saw that, and you know, how you handle yourself and present yourself a lot of times is, is what gets you over with the boys in the back. That's not necessarily whether you win or lose matches and become champions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had a, you had an opportunity to work with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, That's, Mm -hmm. he's one of my all time favorites. He's a behind Mm -hmm. thing. He's, He's number two for me. And um, mm-hmm. I imagine that had to be just soaking it all in. Um, how was yeah. it working with Dustin? It was great. You know, I had such good experiences with Dusty because, you know, when he was, whether he was just kind of the, a talent with a voice because he is who he is to when he was the actual booker of TNA, uh, the things he did with me and for me were amazing. And the fact that I actually got to wrestle a match against, you know, the legendary Dusty Rhodes at one point mm-hmm. is one of those things that's invaluable. And the, I always tell a great story, which is a fun story to tell. And, you know, it's kind of breaking the barrier, but I think it's a great story to tell because it kind of shows you who Dusty was in a good way. Um, so, you know, we're all together in the back. Um, you know, he's teaming with James Storms that night. Uh, it's myself and Cash, obviously. And uh, we're getting ready for everything. And we all go sit in front of Dusty and we're like, all right, you know, what's going on? And, He's like, all right, baby, this is this is this is what we're gonna do. You know, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. And he kind of lays out what's gonna happen, and, and then he goes, uh, he goes, but one thing, uh, if I fall down, everybody falls down. <laughs> and we all kind, we all kind, we all kind of looked at each other and laughed. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, no, seriously, if I fall down, everybody falls down. <laughs> all right, baby. <laughs> we went, all right, baby. Uh, and I swear it was one of those things where during the match, the whole time, 
every single one of us wanted Dusty just to fall down so that all of a sudden all of us could just fall down. It would, <laughs> it would have been the greatest effect. moment in, in, in my wrestling history, I think. But, you know, it didn't happen that way. Obviously, he's a true professional regardless of when he was wrestling and when, you know, what was going on and what yeah. we did. And it helped establish who Cash and I were. And, you know, there's just so many good things that happened just in that match alone. And then moving forward as to when he became the booker and, and, and everything that he did to help me. You know, he was really one of the ones that helped me uh, get my job with WWE as well. So, you know, he was hmm. very influential in my career, both in TNA and WWE. Nice. That's awesome. <clears throat> and so for those three years, you – we're, we're bouncing back to the whole hoarder mania. I remember that. I remember uh, that. three years. I was with that company. I was with, I was with that company for five years, not three. Yeah. Well, three years before rock and rave. So oh, that, that's okay, what I, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know where yeah. you're going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so for three years you were, you were bounced, you know, back and forth. You, you did the cash thing and then yeah. uh, you were doing some singles. You had the hoarder mania and you were in the mm-hmm. uh, world title picture for a bit. Um, and then, dun, 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 rock and rave is where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Um, so, what was it that who who came up with that idea? Who came up with the whole rock and rave idea? Um, because you were with VKM uh, for a bit too before rock and rave, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so who came up with that idea? Well, it was kind of given to us. Um, not the whole conception of what we created necessarily, but, you know, we, we I like you said, I've been with the company for a long time. Um, you know, different entities of me from being Dallas to Lance Hoyt and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, Vince Russo was with the company at the time, and he was always a big fan of, uh, of Jimmy Rave, and he wanted to bring him into the company. Um, so he'd actually told me, you know, I'm bringing this guy, Jimmy Rabin, and I'm, I want you guys to be a tag team and things like that. And I was like, okay, great. You know, I, I didn't know Jimmy at all at the time. Um, so he brought Jimmy in and actually the debut of the rock and Raven section, uh, was in a multi-person elimination match of some sorts, mm-hmm. which I, you know, I thought was like, okay, okay that's kind of weird, but whatever. Um, you know, and we, we wrestled a few matches where we were, just you know he was the the same jimmy rave he'd been from his time in ring of honor and on independence and i was the same lance hoyt that i'd been you know through my time in tna and christy was with us but it was kind of a change from when you know christy and i were running the the couple gimmick to what we were becoming with the rock and rave infection and and then we showed up for um for tv one week and it was one of the weeks where we were taping like three or four shows in like a two or three day period um I think it was over three days and we were taping like four, four shows and uh, we show up, you know, at the impact zone, Uh, you know, normally everybody gets there and just kind of signs in and we'd go and get the catering and eat and relax and try to figure out what you were doing for the night and whatever. And, and then go on. And uh, we got approached by uh, Glenn Gilberti, uh, Disco Inferno. And um, he runs up to us and he's really excited. He's like, guys, 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 did you guys, you guys hear what you're doing? Uh, like no, we didn't hear anything. We just got here, man. He goes, okay. He goes, uh, he goes. You know how you guys are the rock and rave infection? I'm like, yeah, we know. And he's like, okay, well, you guys are on all the shows. Uh, you have mic time. You have backstage segments. All this cool stuff. We're like, oh man, this is awesome. We're getting a chance. We're getting a push. And he goes, okay, but your gimmicks changed up. And we're like, okay, what do you mean? And he goes, okay, since y'all are the rock and rave infection, you guys know the game Guitar Hero. 
And we all just kind of went, oh, God, yeah. So he goes, okay, so you guys all think you're rock stars, but you only play Guitar Hero. And we're yeah. like, what? We were like, oh, my God. So, you know, in, in our mind, we're like, this is, this is insane. This is crazy. You guys are just trying to make fun of us and murder us and kill our careers, whatever you want to say. And uh, we were like, well, does this mean – can we do whatever we want? Because if we're supposed to be rock stars, you know, I wouldn't wear what – I wouldn't wear, like, wrestling gear. I wouldn't, you know, and Jimmy the same and so on and so forth. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, do whatever you guys want with it. So – you know, we were kind of ill-prepared that first night. So if you watch the, the first few matches that Rock and Rave had, it was Jimmy and I both in, like, jeans and tank tops and stuff like that. And then by the time I think we came back for the pay-per-view, that's all that led up to, uh, which might have been a bound for glory. I, I'm pretty sure it was in Chicago or somewhere. Um, but regardless, you know, I showed up and I, I donned the slash hat and I had the the – tattered jeans that were all ripped up and acid washed and you know I barely tied up my boots and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, you know Jimmy came out with kind of the glam rock look and you know Christy obviously who just you know she can sing really well and you know her whole gimmick was that she couldn't sing and she sang badly and Jimmy you know would always say the wrong city and I would always ask for something silly like a you know fifth of whiskey and a ham sandwich and stuff like that so um you know it's just one of those crazy uh things where you know they gave us a gimmick that was just insane in our minds but when they gave us the freedom to do what we wanted to do with it it was a lot of fun and you know i think we actually regardless of the fact that we were the heels or the bad guys we, we kind of got over with the audience yeah 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 it was a pretty it was definitely a popular uh, tag team at the time so what caused the end of it because you you got released not too long after uh the team disband right it was about a year and a half, maybe two years of it or something like that. But, you know, we we stayed pretty strong in the tag division. We had a lot of good tag matches with LAX and the Motor City Machine Guns and stuff like that. We were kind of the patsy for all those teams, though. Um, you know, and then just things kind of died into the wrestling business and people's minds changed and directions changed and the company was growing in their minds and things like that. And they were bringing in more, you know, named talent from outside the company and things like that. And you know, they just weren't using us very often and they would use Jimmy once in a while, like an X division thing, or they'd run us together just to, you know, we'd just be a random tag team to come in and, you know, lose to somebody or something like that. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things. Like I'd started going to Japan, uh, back then, like in 2007, I made my first trip to Japan working for a small independent company. And I was doing kind of the same going back and forth for a few, uh, smaller companies and stuff. And, uh, I was actually in Japan when I had the conversation with the TNA brass about my situation coming to an end with them. And I kind of knew it was happening. I knew what was going on. And like when I got the email that I needed to call, I called from Japan and we had the conversation and they were like, Oh wait, you're still in Japan. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm working. Cause you guys aren't using me. And they're like, Oh, well, here's their situation. And I was like, that's fine. You know, for me, you know, they, they had the off the wagon challenge, um, back then, um, you know, beer money was running the off the wagon challenge. And, you know, I think a week or so prior to that, you know, PD Williams, the, you know, he lost and he was gone from the company and then, uh, they had us do the same thing. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, I'm, I was okay with the whole situation simply for the fact that I was like, you know, a, it was one last payday B I get to say bye to the people I actually like. Um, and you don't get a lot of those opportunities in the wrestling business. Sometimes you're just there, and one day you're there, and one day you're gone. Um, so just, you know, it was it was amicable. I can't even say the word. Amicable. <laughs> it was a mutual. It was yeah. There you go. It was a mutual split. 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I knew nothing was happening positive, and I just I didn't really feel like coming into the company and just being the loser every time. And uh, right. you know, they just they weren't ready to keep spending the money or whatever the case was. So it was mutual, and I was okay with it. And I'd done some decent things in Japan, and then uh, made some made some uh, calls and got some things going to head over uh, to head up north to head to New York. Yeah, as they say. Now was. Now was Dixie running? I know that uh, when you first oh four, mm-hmm. um, I know Jared was still he was 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 Jerry in charge? Was Jeff in charge? How was the executive staff between oh four and oh nine? Changed a lot. Um, you know, Jeff was always kind of in there and in charge and around. What not the whole time I was with the company. Um, Jerry was not there very long. Um, you know, he wasn't. He, him, and Jeff had their separate split, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, uh, early on, like around '05 or somewhere around there. I'm, I'm not sure on the exact dates on that one. Um, you know, obviously Vince Russo would come in and out of the company at different times. Um, you know, Scott Demore had the book at one time for a different, uh, you know, for a different period and things like that. You know, so different guys kind of come in and, and take in the top spot. And obviously Dixie, who was um, the owner of the company with her and her family with Panda Energy um, was, you know, obviously the, the top executive of all that it didn't really matter who was booking. Um, mm-hmm. She was always kind of in and around there and she started to become more and more involved uh, the longer I'd been there, um, you know, obviously to becoming what it's become in the last couple of years that I haven't been there, but yeah, she started to become more and more involved uh, over the period of time. How was the morale uh, uh, your time with when Dixie was in charge? Um, I don't know if the, when you say when Dixie was in charge. You know, Dixie was back then when I was there, you know, especially when Jeff was a proprietary owner. Um, you know, he was really running things and stuff, even when Dutch and different people were coming in and out. And it was, whether it was him and Dutch or whether it was Scott or whatnot, like I said, she was there and she was the, the main person of the company but it wasn't like she was telling them what to do um but the morale itself was always i thought really good for the simple fact that um it was a company growing it was a company taking right. steps forward you know i mean when i started in 04 we were only doing the wednesday night pay-per-views out of nashville and then we moved on to uh fox sports network with the spike uh with uh impact for the first time on national tv you know the first national tv uh, nationally broadcast competition to WWE at the time um, since WCW had, had folded and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, it was a step forward. And then the, you know, the, the pay-per-views, the first, you know, three-hour pay-per-views in every month, and then moving on to Spike TV for the, the one-hour spot, and then moving up to two hours of TV and so on and so forth. So everything seemed like a growth. The only thing I think that was a little uh, down as far as the morale at any time was it seemed like to guys like myself, anytime the, the company would take a step forward, um, they were trying to rely on the backs of guys who they felt like were of name value. And that's not a knock on the guys that were coming in because they were great guys, but they would bring guys in that they felt like had name value that they already made in the business. And then a lot of the guys who were trying to come up in the business, especially with TNA um, were basically told, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah. We'll get back to you. We're gonna we're gonna start this two hour spot on Spike TV with these guys, 
even though they've never been with the company because they've got a name and we'll get back to you. But there was a lot of guys they just never got back to. So I think that was the only thing that kind of pushed any kind of morale down. But it was still a time of growth and it was still a fun time and there were a lot of exciting things happening within TNA. And like I said, it was a company that was taking steps forward, moving forward. Mm-hmm. So your belief that hopefully they'll get back to me in the way the company keeps growing, it'll just get bigger and better and, and it'll, it'll be a better situation for everybody. Yeah. Now your time in WWE is very short, which I don't understand yeah. because I remember um, I followed you in TNA, and then the the mm-hmm. the shave, you know, the haircut, and just the mm-hmm. Vance Archer ECW run, just the, the mm-hmm. monster mm-hmm. heel, and you were winning some matches. You were actually, mm-hmm. you know, being propelled very well. Mm-hmm. What caused the turn? I mean, what, what was it? Who, who was in the back? Was there someone? Uh, who prompted the push and who kind of uh, put the halt on it? Because I remember they, it seemed like they really were high on you and they had some, some great plans, mm-hmm. but uh, it just kind of, it just kind of went south. Don't know, man. That's the crazy part of working with that company. I think, you know, one day you're on somebody's uh, good, good side and good list and you're the guy that they want to push and things like that. And then the next day, you know, you, you didn't wave at the right person the right way, and all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. in trouble, and nobody tells you about it, and all of a sudden you're on your way out. And yeah, unfortunately, that's and you know that how that's how that company works sometimes. And I, I don't have any ill will because, you know, I got some amazing opportunities. You know, I always say that, you know, uh, you know, I spent about six months in the FCW developmental system. Uh, I got brought up to ECW, and ECW was a great launching point for a lot of talents. I mean, a lot of the yeah. talents that are even there still today um, that became names within the company and have become have been champions, uh, and you know, and are doing still big things within the company started on their ECW product, regardless of what people thought of ECW, the WWE ECW version or not. For the WWE universe, the ECW product was a great launching point for guys. Uh, to make a name for themselves, to kind of to kind of get into the groove, and then if when they were moved to Raw or SmackDown, uh, on in a sense a bigger stage, the people now accepted them more regularly rather than them just all of a sudden debuting on Raw and people going, well, who the heck is this person? Um, that, yes. That's kind of like what NXT is doing now, but NXT is taking its its own, you know, cr- crazy cool. Uh, uh, environment and it's become its own thing and things like that. But like I said, if they move those guys from the NXT product onto the Raw or SmackDown, it's not like they're a cold product. They're a product that people have become to, to love or to hate or whatever the case may be coming up from NXT. So that's kind of what ECW provided, only we were on the road with the company at all times. Um, and I always say that if, if – this is my opinion – if ECW had continued – if ECW hadn't uh, to change to the you know the original version of NXT, um, guys like myself would have had a lot more time to develop within their system in front of their audience and become something special. And unfortunately for myself and several guys, uh, when the ECW itself shut down and the, the first uh, incarnation of NXT started, you know I was on the road for about three months, something like that, not doing anything, and then. Uh, I was put in a tag team with Kurt Hawkins, which initially they, you know, did strong things with Kurt and I, and, you know, we were winning matches and doing good things and looked like we were going to be working for the, or for the WWE tag titles and things like that. And, you know, we were going into SummerSlam and just everything seemed to change and don't necessarily know exactly why or what, what reason or who 
changed their mind or whatever. It just kind of all of a sudden changed, went downhill, and then they did one of their uh, last mass cuttings way back then, uh, and I was a part of that. <laughs> and that yeah. was kind of the only thing that I knew. And, you know, I never really got any straight answer. And as far as I know, I didn't have and don't have any heat with anybody within the company. I've gone many times backstage and hung out and seen my friends and never had an issue. So, you know, it was just one of those things. I just got caught up in a numbers game when they needed to release a bunch of dudes and I was somebody they weren't doing anything with. And so they just, they bunched me in there and sent me on my way, which, you know, ultimately I wish I'd had the opportunity to stick around longer and prove myself. Uh, but the best times in my career have happened since I've left there and been with, been in Japan. Oh yeah. Um, I just sent you an, uh, an article, um, that I wrote for, for Bleach Report a few years back. I was a feature mm-hmm. commerce there for a few years. Uh, three reasons why the WWE version of ECW worked. So I just put that on your page for you to check out. So, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, it just I agree with you. I mean, I, people always bash that WWE ECW version, but it really, I mean, it helped relaunch Kane's career. Uh, it did so much. It, so, it mm-hmm. did so well for Mark Henry, Matt Hardy, Sheamus, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, CM Punk. I mean, it really was a launching pad, like you said. So yeah, I, I agree with mm-hmm. you wholeheartedly. So my last question to you is, for the past five years, you have been doing so well in in uh, Japan wrestling uh, for uh, New Japan and also NOAA um, mm-hmm. with the Killer Elite Squad with um, mm-hmm. David Hart Smith. And I also... No, uh, no, 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 not David Hart Smith. D.H. Smith, or is he is he D.H. Smith now, or is he? Uh, uh, He's never uh, been D.H. Smith. He's Davy Boy Smith Jr. Jr. Yeah, that's right. Davy Boy Smith Jr. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he was yeah he was D.H. Smith in uh, the 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 Hart Dynasty or, or with yeah with with Tyson Kidd. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So David Hart Smith Jr. Or, or I'm sorry, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Killer Elite Squad, man. They, uh, you guys have been doing such a fantastic job, job in Japan. Of course, uh, Suzuki Gun, uh, the, the stable, and just explain, just let us know, just your overall take on wrestling in Japan, because you know there's been a number of people uh, that had okay WWE careers. Uh, but was mm-hmm. able to just kill it in Japan uh, yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, your your partner, uh, mm-hmm. Trent Beretta, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. quite a bit uh, of, of, of different names. How has your experience overall uh, been in Japan? Uh, amazing. You know, I mean, truly, it's one of those things I, I tell people a lot of times, and it's been a kind of a cool experience when I get to come home and I wrestle in front of uh, people who've seen me throughout different times in my career. Um, and then they, they, they're very complimentative to the point of going, man, you're completely different. You're, you're nothing mm-hmm. like you were back when I saw you wrestling with WWE or TNA or whatever the stage was that they, they were watching me wrestle. And so for me, that's a cool experience to be able to, to, to show people what I've become and, and what Japan's truly done for me. Uh, I tell people this all the time is it's given me a confidence that I didn't have. And they didn't even know mm-hmm. I didn't have it back then. 
but the confidence I have now to know exactly who I am and what I need to be and how to present myself and, and how to be the, the pro wrestler and entertainer that I need to be. It's one of those things, if I'd had gotten, if i had the opportunity to do this prior to my WWE run, I think you would have seen a very different person within that company. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I, I, like you said, I've been with, in New Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah for about five years now, or actually a little over five years now. Um, you know, and I, I did about a year on, as a singles wrestler, in a sense, with New Japan uh, and Suzuki Goon. You know, I was one of the original stable members for Suzuki Goon the original Gaijin stable member for Suzuki Goon, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then they brought Smith in in 2012, put us together as the killer lead squad. And very quickly we were on top and, and the IWGP tag team champions. Um, you know, we, we got a lot of cool opportunities to do a lot of cool things. And Smith and I both, I think came into the situation, you know, we'd had our times in, in WWE and obviously his was a little more, a lot more successful than mine at the time, you know, being a tag team champion there and, yeah. and and everything in, in the Hart Dynasty and whatnot. But we were both, I think, guys looking to recreate and, and prove ourselves to the wrestling world that we yeah. weren't we weren't we were not what we were in that sense. Um I had already gotten that chance to kind of start that path with what I'd been doing in New Japan already. They brought him in and we got the team together and both of us, you know, sometimes people say, Well how why did the Killer Elite Squad work so well? Why does it still work so well? And I think it's because both of us um, we're very different elements, but we, we we work well together and want to work well together so that the team comes across as as a positive and good thing. It's never really a selfish moment. You know, he's not just trying to put get himself over, and I'm not just trying to get myself over. We're both trying to get over and get the team over, and that's what makes it work so well. And you know, there truly hasn't been uh, on the physical side a team of our physical standards and, and, and stature and whatnot. I'm just trying to say the correct word there. Uh, in the wrestling business in a long time that I think has been so cohesive and, and worked so well together. And I think that's another cool element that is the killer lead squad. And, uh, yeah. you know, Japan's just one of those places, like you brought up several names between Smith and myself and Beretta and, and guys that, you know, have had opportunities to prove themselves in the wrestling business for guys like us. I think WWE's influence around the world is undeniable. Um, but at the same time, when you go into Japan, I think it's a perfect opportunity to go into a, a completely new market and for people not necessarily to see you as you were, but give you a chance to become who you are then and yeah. now and into the future. Um, and I think that's one of the cool things because, you know, I, I fight it all the time when I come back to the States. Is I think people remember the Rock and Rave infection. They remember, if they, if they remember Vance Archer from WWE, and their mindset is, okay, that's what I remember you as, so they expect me to still be that. And then when they see something completely different, they're like, whoa, where did this come from? Why, where was this back then? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the coolest compliments I got um, while working in Japan, you know, Shelton Benjamin um, had been uh, with in New Japan for a long time as well. And like one of the Formal first stable times mate, that, right? Yeah, yeah, Suzuki Goon, and you know who knows what happens in the future. I'm, I'm hoping you know once his, his uh, shoulder gets fully repaired and he's good to go, that you know he'll truly get that opportunity to go back to WWE and show them what he's become himself yeah. um, while he's been in Japan. But you know he what, he made a big compliment one time because you know he and I worked in ECW program and uh, you know and knowing each other from that point and whatnot. But he knew me as that kind of unconfident, unsure guy that was just trying to figure out my place in WWE. And then the first time we worked a match, uh, you know, across from each other 
in Japan, I remember, you know, he said something to MVP who at the same was there at the same time and uh, later came back to me and said the same thing. It's like, man, it's like, I, I didn't know who you were, man. I was like, where was this guy back in WWE? What the heck? You know, it was just like, it was a cool moment for him and he was being very complimentative and, you know, it was one of those things he didn't have to say it to me. And then the fact that he did was just really cool. And it helped me again, continue to create confidence that I was doing something right and to keep moving forward with it, you know, and, it, and it's cool to have yeah. friends and peers uh, and people who, again, who have a preconceived notion of who I was to see me now and go, wow, that's completely different. But unfortunately for a lot of people, you know, people are always going, would you go back to WWE or things like that? And it's, you never say never in this business, but I think unfortunately mm -hmm. a lot of the, the people that are in control and the powers that be, they still think of me as who I was and not who I'm mm -hmm. now. And that, that's always that a weird, sense. you know, thing to get over in the business sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm going to challenge that thought though, that you, uh, that you just had. And I agree with you as far as people just looking at you the same, but you know, it's, it's funny because, Gallows was Festus, mm -hmm. and you yeah. know, a report that this man had no idea who he was when he came back. Um, True, which was which was interesting, and I think right. that you know, with with the new with the new eyes that are they're really focused on recruiting people back in NXT, mm -hmm. as you've seen, mm -hmm. you know, with Shelton mm -hmm. Benjamin, with with AJ Styles, with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, mm -hmm. with Asuka, mm -hmm. with with Anderson, with Gallows. Japan has right. became, you know, a, a pretty hotbed of, of recruitment talent now because I understand how important, you know, the, the talent pool is in Japan. And so, like you right. said, never said never. And I think that with the success that you and uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, is, <laughs> is having now, I definitely think that you guys are are, are, are two are two people that may be on the radar. You know, maybe people aren't saying anything right now, but. Japan's a pretty hot bed right now, as you as you've seen by all the people that's been acquired right. WWE in the past year. Uh, so yeah, I, I wish you the best, man. I know that, like you, you said, it, you know people may be looking at you uh, one way, but you know your confidence, and you know you know yeah. you're you're killing it in Japan, and uh, you know I, I know um, there's there's opportunities that will continue to to come your way because uh, of just your talent. Right. Well, I appreciate that, man. You know, like I said, I, I've, I've, I always work hard and I've worked hard and I'm continuing to work hard. You know, the, with all that being said, you know, if I get an opportunity to go back and prove myself uh, to the American people and to the world on that stage, I would absolutely take it and prove them completely wrong of what they thought I was and to what I am now. But that being said, you know, if, if my career just continues in Japan and it ends in Japan, um, I will be very proud of what I've accomplished. Very, yeah appreciative of every opportunity I've gotten, you know, and, and I, I've enjoyed my time in the business. It's been a lot of fun for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Where can we find you, man? Social media. Well, um, t Twitter and Facebook, my two easiest ones, you know, uh, at Lance Hoyt on Twitter. And then Lance Hoyt is a public and open Facebook page. I post all the wrestling stuff I'm doing. You know, I try not to get too political or too personal on either one of them. I try to keep it very professional just with the wrestling and things like that. And I'm very open if people are very, you know, if they want to reach out and say something nice and say hello, I'm, I'm usually open to, to return that and say hello and say something back. You know, if they get a little crazy or say silly stuff, then I'm usually not somebody that's going to respond to that. And, uh, yeah. Too much silly and crazy and negative stuff happening in the world right now. I don't want to be a part of that Amen. if I can help it. Totally. 
So per Twitter, you're a, you're a man of faith. Yes, absolutely. Lord has blessed me big time. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I've been a devout Christian for 18 years now. I can say I'm a small group leader in my church. So, um, awesome. Yeah, that that that's uh, that really that was like a magnet to me when I saw that on on Twitter. You know, it's it's like right. when you when you're a man of faith and you. Like you said, the world is crazy, and when you notice that someone else, you know, is a person of faith, it's just you just cling to that, you know, because um, we got to stick together. So, awesome, man! Um, fantastic. Thank you, Thank you so much for uh, being with us tonight. And uh, any yeah, any uh, dates that you want to plug before we go? Uh, sure. You know, I mean, I'm I'm like I said, I'm about to head back to Japan for a little over a month. Uh, you know, starting the Global League, which is. Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah's singles tournament. It's kind of their G1. You know, everybody knows kind of about the G1 that New Japan produces right now. Well, Noah has their own version called the Global League that starts on November 3rd at Cork and Hall. Uh, before I go back to Japan on the 29th here coming up, I have a show in Austin, Texas with an amazingly cool company. If, you, if you're in Austin or anywhere near Austin, Texas, uh, this weekend uh, on the 29th, come see Inspire Pro Wrestling. Um, it's an amazing show. It's full of cool uh, guys, both in Texas and this weekend. Actually, uh, it's a mixed show between Inspire Pro and Chikara Pro. So a lot of the mm. Chikara Pro stars are going to be there and in action. Um, you know, so come check that out. Um, there's so many good shows in and around Texas. But that's the last one I'll be doing before I head back to Japan. I'll be in Japan for a little over a month. I won't be back till uh, December fourth. I think is when I come home. So yeah, <laughs> a little over a month in Japan. Mm. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for uh, taking your time, and uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Have a good night. Have a good night. Fantastic, fantastic interview from Lance Hoyt, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we uh, we went over, so let's get right into it. Todd Fisher, my presidential guest host, uh, guest co-host is with me as always today. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Christopher. Yourself? I'm doing great, man. Uh Lance Lance Hoyt, man, he uh that was some good talking. That was some good talking. Yeah, absolutely, man. I enjoyed I enjoyed speaking with him. Actually I had a funny uh a funny interaction with him. Not too long ago on Twitter, on his Twitter uh, feed, his Twitter profile picture has, like, these three painted-on scars across his face. Yep. And as you know, I'm a huge comic book nerd. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a character out there called the Eternal Warrior who, I swear, he looks exactly like. And I was like, ah, <laughs> and I tweeted it out to him. He just liked it and laughed about it. So, awesome. But he's actually That's been played awesome. in a movie by uh, James uh, Jim Morrison. Son Morse. Okay. Brother. Nice. Yeah. So. Sounds anyway. good. All right. Well, let's get into the political stuff. Wrong. That is absolutely Wait a minute. Uh, the political hacks. Let me tell you. She's not how to Wait. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Facts. By your people. Many of which are absolutely untrue. Bad deals. But it's bad experience. Bad. But it's bad. And I don't, I, I don't deserve that. Absolute wrong. Proof. All right, Todd. What are some uh, some new news on both sides? New news on both sides. Well, there was some. I, I think there was 
so the WikiLeaks that are coming out, I mean, they, they just keep coming, and they are getting bigly. Uh, bigly. In, <laughs> That's right. Bigly. Uh, <laughs> nice. There's been there's been some big, actually big news uh, that have that has dropped today. Um, make sure you know again. Don't take my word for it. Don't take anyone's word for it. Please go out, do this research, look at what's out there, read it for yourself, form your own opinions. However, since I'm here, let me give you my opinions. Um, which one of the things that came out today in the Podesta emails, which should come as no shock to anyone, but Obama lied to the American public as far as Hillary Clinton's email server goes. Because he said, you know, of course. I mean, it is what it is. Um, but back when the news first started breaking about it, he said, well, first I ever heard about it was when it was on the news the other day. But there's emails uh, from John Podesta, the uh, her head of, I don't know what exactly he does. He's like in charge of her whole campaign and, and all that stuff talking to another staffer about how how are we going to deal with the problem with POTUS and the emails that are clearly in POTUS's emails between him and her where she's not contacting him via the uh, government server. Mm-hmm. So he was emailing her on her private server. So presidential emails, and gosh knows who, what, what's all on there because, of course, it was bleach-bitted and deleted, and we'll never know what was there now, mm-hmm. except for secondhand information from other people. Uh, further, furthermore, and you and I had this very brief discussion on Facebook about it earlier. Uh, it's come out now also in the Podesta emails where they're working with a couple different polling companies to mm-hmm. try to get an oversampling to make sure that Hillary's leading in the polls. Now, does that mean Hillary's leading in all the polls? Clearly, it's not all rigged, but there's definitely evidence of them trying to rig polls to demoralize the Trump supporters, which, mm. you know, it, it doesn't go to the rigged system that Trump's constantly going on about right now a little bit, I think. You know, and then the other part that's really much I'm so triggered over is how they're all going on about I can't believe Trump will not accept the accept the election results when it comes out if he doesn't win. Well, they had no problem with Al Gore not accepting the election results when Al Gore didn't win. In fact, Hillary Clinton uh, for four years refused to accept George W. Bush as her president because she didn't accept the the uh, and, and she's on record. I can't. I don't have the direct quote right now in front of me. Saying how he stole that election, that election, yikes! Uh, so now you have a problem with it because someone else is saying, "Well, this seems rigged." So I don't get it. Hmm. So what, what, what big news do you have on Trump this week besides you know the usual? <laughs> well, which is big uh, news this week? <laughs> well, I wrote um, on the Inquisitor, you know, mainly about. You know, here's the thing, and, and and it's kind of what you're saying as far as just his biggest criticism right now is taking the bait, and and you made a great point. You know, it could it could have been, you know, the whole rigged and, and the WikiLeaks and all those being exposed for him to take the bait to 
to concentrate on being on the defense for so long, and that's the problem. You know that that he he's doing it. He's taking the bait. Just his his the nature of Donald Trump is going to win. He's going to win. He's going to win bigly, and that's his that's his mo. And because of that, he's going to do whatever he can to say this is rigged. That's rigged. This you know these people are rigged, and the polls. You know you you you've basically laid it out that there could be some rig polls, you know, and, but here's the problem. It's like, you, you go high, you know, and it's like, and here's, and here's, you know, before we get to, you know, raw and hell in a cell and, and, and everything else for the week, I've, I think I've kind of conceded on this, on this, uh, and this is unfortunate, but I've, I've conceded with this kind of premise to me. Again, you will not you you could not pay me to vote for Hillary Clinton. You, literally, you cannot pay me to vote for Hillary Clinton. That is not going. We well, know happen. Madonna has an offer out there. <laughs> That's a different type of pay. <laughs> That's a pay that my wife would not uh, would not approve of for sure. <laughs> but uh, um, it, it's like here, here's. This is this is what probably will happen, okay? Uh, just just kind of lay this down here. Say Donald Trump gets elected, and to me, uh, he he's at a he's about forty he's about thirty eight to forty four percent right now within various polls, and so you know a third to forty uh, percent uh, of America either supports him or, you know, vehemently disapproves of Hillary Clinton. And based on my research, it's mo- mostly B than A. And so they realize, okay, this guy just decided to just overturn, you know, the, the system, the Constitution, uh, the Senate, the House, uh, and – he he just totally just he just overturns and just revolutionizes in the wrong way just the government system. And so people are like, Oh my goodness, let's get him out of here. And so here's my here's my issue with voting Trump in. If Trump you know, totally you know he if if he's if he totally fails this this four terms, Hillary Clinton will be the next president. And so, because the thing is, the Republican nominee would not be able to run because Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump would attempt to run for a second term. So there's the Republican nominee out, which would probably be, you know, someone like Mike Pence or Ted Cruz uh, or Scott Walker, maybe Jeb Bush. Those are the names that will probably be in the pot as far as the nominee. However, if Trump gets in office, we have to have four years of Trump and four years of Clinton. I would rather mm-hmm. deal with four years of Clinton than four years of Clinton next term, because that's 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 just something that I, I just can't prepare myself to. I've already seen so much of Clinton, so much corruption, and I, it's like there's no way that Donald Trump would get reelected based on him getting office and totally failing 
Hillary Clinton could be more corrupt than she is now, and that's that's saying a lot. She could be more corrupt than she is now, and she'll get still get in office because of just the immaturity and just the ignorance, you know, of of, of Trump as a politician. So it, it's it's like a rock in a hard place for me. But I'd rather see, I'd rather roll, and it's sad to say this, living in America, but I'd rather get four years, and it's really hard for for me to say this, I'd, really get four, I'd rather get four years of Clinton right now than four years of Trump and then four years of Clinton next term. That's, that's, that's where my, that's, that's where I'm camping at right now. Well, you know, I, I put some thought into this earlier and, and I decided you know, both we're in a very politically charged spot right now, and mm-hmm. I don't think either party is very happy with the candidate that we've gotten stuck with, and that's what I, I truly feel like we've been stuck with these two. Yeah. But I, I, I've got to thinking, and I thought of a candidate that we could all write in together, that we could all agree on. Okay. We should all write in Vanilla Ice because, <laughs> hear me all the way through here, because he will stop. Collaborate and in fact listen. And listen, absolutely. And if there's a problem, yo, he'll solve it. Yeah, oh man. I, you know, I think that's a very good uh, campaign speech right there. I, I, I see, agree. I even even if Hillary gets if Hillary gets uh elected, okay, let's let's go through this. And and there's a there's a very good chance. There's a great likelihood that that's gonna happen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, unfortunately. Um I, I don't know that she's going to make it all four years. So we really need physically? to start looking at Kane. What's that? You talking about physically or just uh, like impeached or no, what? I, I'm not. No, I'm not going to call into question her health because, well, there's questions there, but you know, can't do that. We'll trigger mm-hmm. some people here. Um, I think there's just so much scandal. She's going to fall under the weight of all the scandal. Because mm-hmm. we have to remember about Watergate. Remember Watergate? Sure. And there's both, it was actually before both of our times. I'm, I'm not quite that old, but I'm old enough to, to have learned about Watergate when I was a, when I was a child in, in school. It mm-hmm. wasn't the it wasn't the break-in buried Richard Nixon. It wasn't the deed that took him down. It was the cover-up. Mm-hmm. And there is so much scandal just constantly just piling up, I think she I think she's gonna fall under the weight of all these scandals and she's going to be impeached. I'm okay like her with her being a sitting her. duck until all this gets revealed and she gets removed. What's that? I saw I'm okay with her being a sitting duck until all this, you know, gets revealed and she gets removed. I prefer that. I I, I would prefer that than for all this to be swept under the rug and for her to get uh, elected in four years. Either way, I, I just <laughs> I don't want either of them. Can no, we go can we get exactly. a do-over? <laughs> yeah. can we, can we, have we tried I, I unplugging think, and replugging the United States yeah. back in? <laughs> yeah, hitting the reset button on the uh, Nintendo 64 or something like that. Just it, It's just it's horrible. <clears throat> and um, I think if there's anything that we can learn as voters is that, listen, (laughs) we need to realize how important those primaries and caucuses are. 
because there was a turnout for Trump because he was anti-establishment. But there wasn't a, a turnout for the establishment, although the establishment outweighed Trump every time. Because here's the thing. He only got 35, 37, 38% of most of the, uh, of the states that he won. So only a third of the people, you know, was in support for Trump or, again, thought he was the best option based on anti-establishment. So he didn't have overwhelming numbers. So he was the he was really the they were rolling the dice on voting for him. And then, you know, again, it's one of those things that America rolled the dice on voting for Trump to get here. And why would they roll the dice? (laughs) on him being in office. And so, and so that's basically, you know, how I feel. And again, you know, I've conceded that if, if it's a, if it's a matter of Hillary Clinton, unfortunately, I've, I've put up with eight years. I can, I can do four more. <laughs> um, if it, if it's for the sake of Hillary Clinton taking office for these four years, for the sake of Trump, not because if Trump does, we'll get Trump and Clinton for eight years. If Trump does not win, we'll get Clinton and a <laughs> a conservative that we can we can uh, bank on a little bit better than what we have now. So we're two weeks out, man. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. All right. So and uh, news that is not as good. Let's get to Raw and SmackDown. There we go. So we're both more excited to get to the flavor of the week um, because we had a lot of fun with it today. So let's just let's just roll past this uh, Raw and SmackDown uh, review because we both, uh, especially Raw, we, we thought that it just totally tanked. I, I think, so let I, us know. I, I think I think we can do the review and I can do the review in one word. My review in one word. Mm. Awful. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad that I have my raw review uh, after, after the show that I get to express most of my stuff just, just so I can really skim through it. I, and, and I just want to reiterate, just, I don't understand what happens with creative as far as. You have Vince McMahon. It comes from the top. He wanted Goldberg to get booed. I mean, that's that's you know that's that's in the airwaves. That's been reported right after Raw. It's been the talk of the town. It's been the talk of the WWE universe for since you know for the next, the past day. So, if Vince wants Go uh, uh, Brock Lesnar to be booed in his hometown, 
I just don't understand why you don't get the cheap heat. <coughs> Excuse me. You do it all the time. I don't understand why you don't get the cheap heat when 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 Jericho comes. You know, is in his hometown when Edge was in his hometown as a heel. They would always talk about how why they left, why they left the place. And yeah, why can't why could and Paul Heyman is gold in the mic. He's gold on the mic. I'm sure that he could have said something. Like, he could have riled up the Minnesota crowd, Brock Lesnar's back home, this is his hometown, this is his stomping grounds, and Brock Lesnar would like to tell you all that he is happy that he moved to Canada and is no longer at this dump. That would have elicited a chorus of boos, and that... I mean, right there is the template that you need. Is the platform that you need. You could after that, you could Goldberg would be an angel. After that, be, and that's all you have to do is just to elicit that cheap heat, that 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 crowd, hometown cheap heat. I don't want. I I moved away, but for some reason, the the, the WWE creative somehow missed that whole deal of having that type of heat on him. And the way that they tried to get heat on Goldberg was absolutely awful. Okay, it just totally didn't work. And then the whole Paul Heyman stuttering thing. Just, yeah. Oh, I was like, the whole time watching, I'm going, this is a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. So without further ado, Paul Heyman. You just made the list. WWE creative. You just made the list. There's my there's my list inductees for today. Brock Lesnar's almost on there, um, but he, yeah, he's he's trailing. Uh, and, and the whole <laughs> and the and, and the the show being built around the list. What did you think about that? I mean, it was amusing, but they're going to do the same thing that they. They do with everything. They're going to run it into the ground. It's going to get overexposed, yeah. and it's going to become, uh, you know, it's it's going to stop being amusing soon. Just like, well, I mean, we can, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump into your headlines here for a second. Just like they're going to do with James Ellsworth. Mm. James Ellsworth yeah. was amusing. He was a yeah. fun novelty, but they're, they're just going to run it into the ground, and it's no longer going to be amusing. They should have yeah. took him off. He should never have gotten that match last week. Let it finish with the fluke with Dean Ambrose the week prior. And then, yeah, then bring him back for the Royal Rumble. Have him be a surprise entrance. Mm-hmm. The, crowd, the crowd would go insane for that. And then, of course, have him lose immediately. But just having him as part of the part of the program with, with Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles? <sighs> what? No. Terrible. 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 Yeah. And they would did, and this they're doing they're doing what they're doing with James Ellsworth exactly what I said they would do with Matt Hardy with broken Matt Hardy and they would just grind it into the ground and they would try to take it over and try to try mm-hmm. to put the WWE spin to it and just ruin it. Yep. All right. 
Couldn't agree more, man. Unfortunately. With that being said, let's get to the headlines. So for the second time, uh, we dealt. We, we talked about J- James Ellsworth potentially being in the Royal Rumble. Yuck! Um, <clears throat> like you said, if it was if it ha- if he had some time off and came back in three months, possibly. But he's starting to get booed on SmackDown. It's been it's been very clear. Uh, the opposite of that, uh, Chris Jericho with the list is getting so over, and they've got some merchandise out now for for Jericho. And he always said as a heel, he didn't want to be merchandise. So. There's some feelers that he may turn babyface. Uh, you know that that would be interesting. Um, so I wrote an article on Sports Kita of, of uh, WWE officially welcoming Roderick Strong to Performance Center. I also have uh, Indie Stars Big Day Mo from which from what culture um, pro wrestling. Uh, my boy uh, Andy Socek is a, a frequent uh, co-host here on the show and. Uh, uh, writer over, uh, over what, what culture, and also uh, your girl, uh, Crazy Mary Dobson. Crazy Mary Dobson, she is amazing. I can't wait for the people that don't watch a lot of indie stuff. I can't wait for them to get a taste of Crazy Mary Dobson. Yeah, she is. She, I mean, she she can hang with the best of them. She could hang with Mick Foley. She she got her start in CZW. She has done hardcore matches. I, I can't wait to see what WWE does with her. It, it should be out of this world. There has been talk, mm-hmm. though, that they, they're going to ruin her and make her beast to strap a gal. That would be yeah. dumb. Ugh, no. <laughs> On a good note, 6 nothing Indians. Shut out the Cubs. Up 1-0. Three, uh, you know, <laughs> three more to go. Uh, I'm so pumped about this, man. Uh, it, it, this is just like I can taste it. I mean, if we shut out the Cubs the first game, uh, that's that's just a harmony to my ears. It makes Saturday night just a, feel a little less bad. Yes, last Saturday, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so let's let's get to the. Uh, we'll talk about you know, Frenchie Martin passed away. That's very unfortunate. We'll give him some time uh, be, because of his passing. We want to honor some. Canadian wrestlers as he uh, uh, managed Dino Bravo. So uh, uh, this this was a lot of fun. Uh, Todd and I uh, compiled uh, uh, individually a list of the top uh, 10 uh, best Canadian wrestlers of all time. So that's the flavor of the week. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's talk a couple minutes about uh, your thoughts, Todd, on the uh, Billy Corgan and TNA lawsuits. Now they were they were uh, they were uh, sued by. Um, Another bank regarding insurance premiums, um, and so so that uh, uh, compiled with uh, Corgan's lawsuit. Corgan, you know, he felt like he was in the dark as far as uh, you know the negotiations with the WWE with the tape library. Uh, there's some there's there's some times that he forwarded them some money, didn't get back. You know, it's him. It's the insurance premiums that were never uh, paid. Based on the payment plan, uh, it was the credit card uh, that that was never paid, uh, a defaulted um, uh, payment plan. It was the production company, audience of one, uh, that they never paid them back after paying them once um, and them, you know, producing their shows. It's just compiling more and more. 
And Dixie Carter is still saying that she believes that they are not insolvable. Corgan saying, you're crazy. <laughs> you are insolvable. Because, of course, when she admits that they're insolvable, you know, that basically just folds uh, the company in half and just rids the company. So if she's still denying that they're insolvable, you know, that's when the court process continues to go and she tries to pay her debt. Is there anyone not suing them? I think you and I have to – I think you and I are on docket tomorrow to file our lawsuit against TNA. Yeah, there's some unpaid funds. Yeah, unpaid – I would like the money back that I I lost watching their show a couple times. My pay-per-view money, yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true because I I actually bought – uh, hardcore Justice a few years back. I think it was like 2009. I bought uh, Hardcore Justice. I actually, uh, inter- I actually invited some people over. Uh, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she was over. And we were watching Hardcore Justice, TNA Hardcore Justice. And it was one of the worst pay-per-views that I've ever seen in my life. It was just such a horrible recreation of ECW. They couldn't. They didn't have the rights to the names, so they were calling people different names. Uh, they were calling Balls Mahoney, Cajones, and it was it was so bad that it was just, you know, I I want my money back. So I'm in the hat now too. <laughs> class action suit. There you go. Yep. There you go. Class I'm sure that's action next. suit. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that'll be next. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, that wouldn't. It's, it's, as much and as many people I've known and have interviewed that said that they're owed money with DNA, that that is probably next, unfortunately. Yeah, especially when you can get a, a lawyer who knows that, that he or she's going to get a chunk of that. Yeah, that definitely wouldn't surprise me. All right, so let's get to the flavor we. Let's get to the the good stuff out of all this. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Right. So for the sake of time, let's. Um, I'll let you start with your honorable mentions and then your top ten. Uh, my honorable mentions. I, I think these are two guys that have a huge future. They're they're not well known as of yet here in the states. Uh, but I think once they once they get their opportunity, they're going to shine so much. Uh, I'm going to go with the cleaner, Kenny Omega, and of course Kyle O'Reilly. Fantastic, both just amazing ring technicians, especially Kyle O'Reilly. And the tradition of old school, um, um, old school. Uh, just Matt Technicians, Kyle O'Reilly is just fantastic. Number 10, the glorious one, Bobby Roode. Number 9, and number 9, I I, I keep going back and forth on number 9, but I'm I'm just going to stick with with my final answer, and if I can be serious for a moment, Mm. Lance Storm. Nice. Uh, Number 8, Kevin Owens, he'd be higher on the list. Don't everyone hate me yet? I just think he has quite. A, he's got a lot more time to develop. He's not where he's not at the top yet because we have some big names coming yet. Uh, number seven, the always controversial 
I don't care what he did at the end. In the ring, Chris Benoit was without a doubt one of the best Canadian wrestlers of all mm-hmm. time. Um, uh, seven, eight. What am I on? Six? Six. Yep. Edge, the rated R superstar. Great in the ring, fantastic on the mic. He is the full package. And uh, number five, and this is probably going to give me a little hate. I'm sorry. I don't care. Um, but I put the I put the Rock all the way back at five. Fantastic gimmick, great on the mic, in ring work. Yeah. Uh, then we go from there to, and again, my co- my top was it keeps stretched. There's so many stretches, it's hard to read it all. Honestly, like too <laughs> free listing them. Um, uh, would be the. Uh, the rowdy one himself, Roddy Roddy Piper, and I was I I was shocked. I did not realize Piper was a Canadian wrestler until I started mm-hmm. looking into Canadian wrestlers, so I can yep. make sure I get them. Uh, and we discussed this: him and The Rock both technically, technically Canadians. Chris Jericho Indeed. not technically Canadian. That's correct. Um, and then from there, the Hitman. Bret Hart. Just all around complete package, known for the uh known for the Canadian gimmick. And then finally the I'm going old school with Killer Kowalski. Very interesting list. Paved the way for so many other uh Canadian wrestlers. Very true. Awesome trainer, WWE Hall of Famer. Um <clears throat> so yeah. there's so many like like you said, there's so many uh I'm just going to mention a few. These people didn't make the list, um, but I just want to mention Colorado Raleigh, Kill- Kenny Omega, Bobby Roode, uh, Gene Kaniski, uh, Ronnie Garvin, one of my one of my favorites, uh, Rick Martel, Lance Storm, and Kevin Owens. They did not make the list, but I do want to mention their names. All right, so number ten is Owen Hart. Uh, number nine is Chris Benoit. Number eight for me is Killer Kowalski. Number seven is Christian. Number six is Pat Patterson. Number five is Trish Stratus. Um, arguably the best female wrestler of all time. Number four is Edge. Um, I've never been a big fan of Edge, uh, to be honest, but uh, his accomplishments and just uh, what he did um, for the World Heavyweight Championship and SmackDown brand. I uh, was very pivotal uh, during uh, a really good time in, in the early 2000s and mid-2000s. Number three, the rowdy one, Roddy Piper, one of the best characters and one of the best heels of all time. Number two, Bret Hart. I mean, he just just cemented uh, the role of, of a Canadian wrestler, the pride of Canada. And number one, it was a clear-cut number one for me, The Rock. Um, he was born in Canada, technically Canadian, and just, he is one of the greatest WWE stars just from, uh, a wrestling standpoint, not not from a, a, a Matt wrestling standpoint, but just as far as character, as far as popularity, as far as accomplishments, as far as, uh, as, as far as just that, uh, trend, the, the transcending factor, uh, as from from a from a from a celebrity standpoint, 
uh, highest paid actor of, of 2016, I believe, or 15. Um, so yeah, just just an awesome. You know, I, I've never been a huge rock fan. I, well, I would say probably 98 or so. I was a big rock fan, but after that, um, not so much. But you, you can't argue with uh, his accomplishments. So that is a that was that was a great list. I had a lot of fun. All right, so Hell in a Cell. Let's get to that's these happening. predictions here. What's that? So that's happening. Yes, that is Sunday. Yeah, I'm you, so excited. You, you, yeah, yeah. It's like you kind of forget. Like you and I have talked about this before. We they're they're two weeks apart. You know, with the exception of the Big Four, there's we're going to have a bit break, a, a little break uh, with. Uh, with uh, Survivor Series three weeks, so it's like, be, uh, with the exception of the Big Four, they, they happen every two weeks, and so it's just the overkill, and just you forget that it's coming, and like, oh yeah, because I, you know, of course, you know, I have uh, a structure in an itinerary for the show every week, and it's like uh, the the eleventh hour is like, oh yeah, Hell in a Cell predictions, <laughs> yeah, that is this Sunday. So, yeah. All right, let's get to the predictions. Enzo Amore and Big Cass against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson for the um, – it's a tag team match. Uh, nothing going on here. They just wanted to have both of them be somewhere. So, who do you got winning that one? I'm going to go ahead and take uh, uh, the Good Brothers. I agree. Gallows and Anderson. Isn't that what they're calling them now, the Good Brothers, not the club? Well – they were the good brothers in Japan. It was just, that's kind of like their their faction within the faction. Um, so that was their their GB. Um, so yeah, they're I guess they're they may be bringing that out more. So yeah, I agree with you, especially with Carl Anderson losing twice. Um, yeah, the, the past couple of weeks, just in theory, usually how that metrics go. Uh, the person who usually loses on the go home show will win uh, the the pay per view, uh, which which leads me to the new day, new day versus Zara and Sheamus. For some reason, they had a match on the Raw, the same exact match like they did with Rusev and Roman Reigns, which is I don't get that. That's so dumb to me. Uh, so uh, to me, New Day keeps it. I think they're going with the whole demolition beating them. They got uh, less than two months, so I, I think they're going to go with New Day winning. I, I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to save New Day. New Day's loss is going to eventually come to uh, to the club, to the Good Brothers. Yeah. Eventually. TJP and Brian Kendrick. Do we see a new Cruiserweight champion, or does uh, TJ Perkins retain? I think, uh, think TJ retains uh, I mean, Kendrick's great. Don't get me wrong, but you know he's been a trainer in NXT for a while now down in Florida. And I think mm-hmm. it's time for him to go back to the trainer bit. He helped get the get the program over on Raw. He's helped get TJ over. Now it's time for Kendrick to step back into that trainer role and let the rest of the the, the cruiserweights take over. Yeah, I think Kendrick's going to take it. I think. Uh... With Rich Swan beating him on Monday, they'll probably do some triple threat or Rich Swan against Brian Kendrick for a tag team title. Uh, I mean, for a cruiserweight title. I think Kendrick's going to have one last run. 
Uh, real quick, uh, Sasha Banks in Charlotte. Interestingly enough, they're calling her Charlotte Flair now. They kind of threw that in uh, um, past a couple of episodes. Well, last this this week, and especially, and they uh, did it on SmackDown too. So it seems like she's officially Charlotte Flair, perhaps. So that's kind of interesting. So, what do you have winning that one? Uh, I'm going to go with the boss. I agree. I think Sasha Banks will retain. All right. So Hell in a Cell. Um, that was Hell in a Cell as well. And of course, you have Roman Reigns versus Rusev and Hell in a Cell. I think Roman's. I think Roman's going to win. And I have. I just had the craziest feeling that we're going to see color in that match. They oh, keep. They keep seeing a little bit of color here and there mm-hmm. uh, on the shows. But I think if they're going to do color, that's the match of color that's going to happen. I agree. I, I agree. Um, yep, I have uh, R- Roman Reigns winning too. All right, real quick, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, who you got? KO retains. Yes, I agree. Uh, what would I was be Jericho? If you don't agree, you're going on the list. That's all there is to it. <laughs> um, will we see Jericho involved? Oh, absolutely. I think Jericho gets involved somehow. And that's how they get outside the ring. I think. Well, I think. I have. I think we're going to see a high spot too, and I mm. think it's going to be Kevin Owens pulling a Mick Foley mm. kind of deal. Interesting. Because, yeah. because Kevin Owens, if you go back to his indie days, you go back to the ROH days and some of the CCW stuff, Kevin mm. Owens is not adverse to taking a high bump. Oh no, definitely not. No. Um, yeah, ROH, like you said, CCW, and yeah, you're right, PWG. All right, so Hell in a Cell is on Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, of course, Todd, thank you as always. You've been a fantastic co-host, man. Uh, uh, you, you've, yeah, I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed you. We've got a couple more weeks together, so let's make it great. Of course, we have the uh, go home. We have the uh, next week. Uh, we have the Hell in a Cell review. Uh, we'll spend some time on that, uh, and then we have uh, an awesome interview as well, as always. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is 239 episodes of the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Uh, Todd, any closing words? Um, do your research before you vote. If you're not ready yeah. to vote, I'm pretty sure it's too late now. Um, so, yeah. sorry about you. And if you're not going <laughs> to vote, stop complaining about politics. It's your That's fault. Correct. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, Stop complaining if uh, you're not going to vote. Very, very true. And do your research. I I actually went across party lines um, about 12 years ago. Probably, yeah, I'll say 12 or so years ago. I I went across party lines search. So that's how important it is to do research. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so thank you so much for listening to 239 episodes of the Pancakes and Power Sam Show. Until next week, God bless you all. Enjoy your week of wrestling. Enjoy Hell in a Cell, and be safe. Hopefully, we'll be back. You will be back with us tomorrow, uh, next week on Tuesday, 11 o'clock Eastern Time. All right, God bless. Chris Featherstone, Todd Fisher, signing off. Goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.